Welcome to Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast with Elizabeth Crawford, where I dish with trendsetters, tastemakers, and industry experts about everything from emerging trends to regulatory pressures to marketing strategies. Driven by increased demand for functional benefits, a faster pace of innovation, and a lower threshold for initial trial, beverage sales have outpaced that of food within the specialty segment in the past decade, according to the Specialty Food Association. According to SFA's recently published State of the Specialty Food Industry, beverages now account for 17% of the sector's forecast $207.4 billion in sales in 2023, up from 14% 10 years ago. And according to the report, they also top both the list of fastest-growing specialty food categories and the products most purchased in-store. At the Winter Fancy Food Show in Las Vegas, David Lockwood of Lockwood Consulting predicted swelling consumer interest in and demand for beverages would lead to a tsunami of innovation within the specialty industry, with an outsized focus on new functional benefits, flavors, formats, and usage occasions. In this episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast, we hear from players at the show helping to drive innovation and sales of functional beverages, including within energy and sports drinks and ready-to-go tea and coffee, which SFA identified as the two top fastest-growing categories from 2020 to 2022. We also explore how the ongoing potential for and growth in mocktails including options that are positioned as more masculine and more premium than some of the earlier players in the space. So according to SFA and SPINS data, energy and sports drinks make up the fastest growing specialty category from 2020 to 2022. And while the overall category is dominated by a handful of legacy players, there is plenty of white space for brands that cater to overlooked consumer groups or offer premium options with better-for-you and organic ingredients. Industry newcomer Unity is helping to fill this gap with a launch four months ago of a line of super-premium, non-carbonated, and USDA-certified organic energy drinks that are low-calorie, low-sugar, and which President Marcus Mitson says targets women who largely have been ignored by the energy drink category. Um, we, we, we put this brand together to be more feminine skewing. Um, we are not apologetically going after the female consumer. We decided to shift our, our packaging uh, to be more luxury, more feminine. Um, if you notice, our packaging is, is uh, similar to the European uh, handbag look. Uh, that's what we kind of went with. Uh, you know, um, And the reason why is we found a niche. We understand that, that, that the feminine category is getting tired of being screamed at by our competitors that are in cans. We are being, we're using subtle marketing with luxury packaging, uh, you know, to, to allow for the female consumer to take her time while she's at the grocery store and pick out what she wants, especially after, after you read the back of our label. It's, it's one of the few non-carbonated energy drinks in the market. Uh, most of our competitors, again, they're screaming at men to buy them. Uh, they're carbonated. There's, there's a lot of unappetizing ingredients in there, so to speak, and um, it, it took us a very long time to formulate this correct. Uh, we, we cut everything very simply. We use green coffee bean extract as our as our source for our organic energy. Uh, we also use ashwagandha, ginseng, um, and, and a variety of other things to, to make sure that we put together the healthiest organic energy drink possible. 
The sports drink category, which is predicted to reach $36.35 billion globally by 2028, with a compound interest rate of 4.2%, according to Fortune Business Insights, currently operates under a similar dynamic as energy drinks. Ryan Sweeney, the sales manager for Water Drop Micro Drinks, explained that the sports drink segment has long been dominated by a few players that target extremely active people like those who participate in CrossFit or are marathon training, or at the other end of the spectrum, those folks who are maybe suffering from a hangover. But he says he sees white space catering to the quote-unquote average consumer who fits in between these two extremes, and those who want a solution that is both better for them and better for the planet. We're a hydration brand based out of Europe. Um, we started in Vienna, Austria about seven years ago with the, the goal of mainly driving people to drink more water, but to do it in a sustainable way. So rather than going to the store and buying a, another plastic bottle beverage that's usually full of sugar and other artificial preservatives, they can take water drop, drop it into their own water, and have a healthy beverage, but that's also sustainable. So avoids that single-use plastic bottle beverage. So with that, we've gone on to create a number of different product lines. Uh, with our cube concept, it's, it is a little cube made of fruit and plant extracts, just so you know that you drop into your water. Um, so we have our iced tea line, for example, which falls underneath our micro drinks line, that's what we call it, their beverage products. Uh, we have a, a bunch of other flavors like cola in that category, but then we also have our hydration line, which is our rapid hydration microlite. It's loaded with electrolytes, vitamins, zinc. So in every cube, you're getting five electrolytes, nine vitamins, zinc, but with no sugar. Um, so the thing I would mainly say when you're comparing it to other competitors in the market is we're one of the few no-sugar options, but we're also the only cube that fits in any bottleneck, so it's super convenient the way it's, that it's designed. Most other ones are a stick pack powder that you have to tear open, stop what you're doing, stir it. So ours is much more convenient, much more sustainable, and also has more functionality with the amount of electrolytes and vitamins in it. For the longest time, it was dominated by a few players, it felt like. Um, and I think it was mainly seen at first as kind of like a hydration or a hangover cure or like after a really tough workout. But I think like now people are starting to realize that, you know, they need to be hydrating throughout the day, whether it's after a night out or after a tough workout. Like most people aren't as hydrated as they need to be. And it's becoming more of a health focus. So I think the space has blown up because of that. And you're seeing all these brands come into it. You're seeing major brands get into it. Um, and in a way, it's kind of saturated the space. Like, there are so many stick packs now. You see private label ones. Um, so, you know, while it's becoming saturated, it still is fast growing, which means there's opportunity to bring some innovation to it. And I think that's where we're winning is that, you know, I think people are refreshed by the fact that it's a different format than what they're used to seeing. It has more functionality than what they're used to seeing. Um, and really also, we, there's a lot of value in Water Drops product because you get more per pack than you do with competitors at a, at a better price per serving. At the end of the day, uh, we, we want to appeal to the average consumer because the average person needs to drink more water. So there's a lot of brands that their focus is, you know, like LMNT, and they've done this very well. They focus on, like, very highly active people. Like, I see it in CrossFit gyms and, you know, people run marathons because it's super high in sodium content. So it's very geared towards that specific consumer and they do very well at it. Where I think a lot of the other brands are missing out is, um, you know, most people have enough sodium, for example, through their diets, the way that, you know, I know I do. Um, so 
microlite, for example, has, is a lower sodium option. And a lot of times people will push back and be like, I thought you needed a ton of sodium to be hydrated. And I'm like, it's actually a lot of the other electrolytes and vitamins that keep, uh, keep you hydrated. Sodium, you know, I would bet the average person has enough sodium in their diet. So microlite's great because it's a lower sodium content while still containing all the other vitamins and electrolytes that you need. So you can have three or four of them a day without your blood pressure <laughs> rising and being through the roof. Um, so yeah, you know, I think that sets us apart from like a product standpoint, but then from a packaging, you know, I, to your point, it's very vibrant, the colors, uh, you know, you could see on the front of it that it's a cube. So I think that alone draws people's attention, especially as we start to get more SKUs on shelf, we'll kind of have a nice brand block to where, you know, it's very cohesive on, on shelf. Um, but yeah, I think that's, that's the second part of it. Like you were saying, packaging is super important to draw people in because at the end of the day, I, I'm not going to be next to every single shelf to sell it myself. So people need to be, you know, drawn to it. Um, and then I would say last is the marketing piece. Who we're choosing to partner with is super important to drive our message and our product. You know, we're getting very big in the tennis world now. We have Djokovic, we have Rublev, who just signed on, who's number five in the world. Uh, we have Danielle Collins, a female tennis player, uh, who's a, like, one of the top U.S. players, Taylor Fritz. So we're trying to partner with people who obviously care a lot about their health and hydration, their top athletes, um, to drive our mission and you know, build that trust in the brand and show people that it's a quality product that, that people who know their bodies very well are using. You know, so that's, that would be the third piece, I would say, of how we're setting ourselves apart. Coffee may be a staple in many households, but according to SFA, it is also one of the fastest growing categories within specialty as a ready-to-drink option and is one of the top 10 most purchased products in-store as non-RTD. Nick Thompson, the VP of Sales and Marketing for Copper Moon Coffee, says the most recent spike in coffee sales can be traced back to the pandemic when many consumers adopted a more sophisticated at-home ritual around the beverage. But he says that the introduction of innovative formats, blends, flavors, and creative branding have helped maintain and further grow consumer interest in the category. He explained that Copper Moon is pulling all those levers with the recent rebrand and introduction of discovery packs that offer variety and value. I feel like we're trying to make coffee fun again, you know? I feel like it gets a little stuffy and maybe a little pretentious in some cases, right? So, um, you know, some of our uh, our blend names, I think, speak to that, right? So our Discovery Pack has a, a light, medium, dark, and something I call strong. So my light roast is a beam me up with, if, you're, uh, if you know Star Trek, right? Not beam, bean, as in coffee bean. Uh, then I have a medium roast stargazer, uh, a dark sky, and then a coffee called Blast Off. Uh, which is a highly caffeinated coffee. Um, so it uses an Arabica and a Robusta um, blend uh, to kind of create that extra caffeine. Um, and so, you know, we felt like that could be really fun. It helps people kind of discover new coffees, hence Discovery Pack. And it gives you kind of the full range from light to strong, which, you know, uh, provides some options. The other thing that, we've been, that we see a lot um, is flavored coffee. A lot of people are looking into flavored coffee. So I do have like a flavor lover's pack. Uh, with some hazelnut, caramel vanilla, uh, we have a tropical coconut in there, and like a southern pecan, um, you know, so kind of allowing, you know, the consumer to kind of indulge a little bit uh, with those flavors, uh, without the calories, without the sugar, without all the other stuff. Thompson also sees potential to keep consumers engaged through special limited time offerings. But rather than the typical seasonal blends like pumpkin spice, 
Copper Moon recently launched a limited edition around the upcoming lunar eclipse, which Thompson says ties nicely into the company's origins and branding, but also a current event about which there's a lot of buzz. Our company's Copper Moon Coffee, right? Which uh, a Copper Moon is uh, uh, really kind of a, when a lunar eclipse happens, it creates a kind of a fiery red moon, i.e. Copper Moon. And so uh, there's actually a, a solar eclipse coming, uh, April 8th. Right, and so um, it's going to kind of run through Texas, up through the Midwest, and for about five minutes in the afternoon, it's going to be dark. And so we're going to launch a coffee called Total Eclipse. It'll be our darkest roast we've ever made. So if you're a dark roast fan, it's going to be a good one for you. Um, and so we're going to launch that February 8th, um, and that'll kind of give us some, you know, 60 days to get people excited, get people drinking some of the coffee and kind of educating people about the coffee and obviously about what the solar eclipse is going to mean to everybody when it comes through. Another trend within coffee that Thompson says Copper Moon is exploring is cold coffee, which is now how many younger consumers prefer to drink the beverage. Uh, we've, we've got a lot of data about like what you would call the fourth wave of coffee, where you know consumers are making coffee at home. They're basically at-home baristas. And we see a, a trend in the younger generation drinking cold coffee. They don't drink hot coffee. They drink cold brew. They drink iced coffee, and they make they like to make these concoctions at home. And so I know one of the things that Keurig has done recently with their machines is they actually have a brew over ice button on the machine for your K cup. Um, and so we um, we've been in the lab, uh, kind of figuring out what's the best ratio coffee water uh, to make a good iced coffee. Um, and so uh, late spring or summer, uh, we're going to come out with some brew over ice cups. The non-alcoholic category continues to evolve and become more sophisticated with several newcomers at the Winter Fancy Food Show showcasing where there is still untapped potential, either in who the products target or what types of beverages are considered as alternatives for alcohol. For example, recently launched Reserve Collective seeks to fill an unmet need for mocktails with packaging that is more, quote, understated compared to many of the early movers in the space. The company's director of sales, Alex Zanisi, explains that instead of bright pastel colors and fruity flavors that really dominate many canned mocktails currently, Reserve favors flat grays, burgundy, and navy for its cans, which are sold in four packs, and feature a simple beige line design. The designer wanted to sort of go against the grain um, with what had, was in market at the time when we developed these in terms of aesthetic, and we wanted to create something that was understated, uh, clean, um, and uh, sort of sexy and with a little bit of mystique that would draw uh, one in um, as opposed to a more colorful, splashy, promotional type of, of look. So really going for something more sophisticated and, and, and understated. I think next to several other of the brands that are in the mocktail, or and I say that in quotes because people in the space don't like calling them mocktails, um, that ours stand out um, in terms of being having that um, slightly different uh, look. And I certainly think um, it's not to say that a man uh, couldn't... Uh, enjoys something else, but we were maybe looking for something more neutral as opposed to something more, um, I don't know, uh, like pastel or oriented. More important than how the cans look is obviously what's inside, which Sinise says is unlike anything that he's tasted before, 
but which he found delightful. There's a lot of great companies out there uh, making really interesting things. The number one feedback I've gotten from sending hundreds of samples out around the country is these tasted a lot better than I thought they would. So I do believe what that tells me is that for the average person, the expectations are very low, and they're expecting something that's going to kind of taste weird. One of the things, if not the, the largest thing that sets ours apart, is that going into the development and production of Reserve Collective, flavor was the only criteria that we weren't trying to create something that was um, no sugar or had adaptogens or no tropics or it gives you energy or it puts you to sleep or it has CBD, nothing. Other than just something that tastes um, well-balanced and has a nice combination of all the different components that go into making a beverage taste good. We've got four flavors um, that come in 12-ounce cans. Those come in four packs, um, starting with Botanica. That's going to be our lightest. It's going to be like a gin and tonic uh, flavor profile, juniper, floral, light uh, light citrus. Orana is a mimosa meets an old-fashioned, charred citrus and wormwood. Uh, Rosada is sweet and sour cherry with a nip of ginger, somewhat evocative of like a Shirley Temple. Um, and Amari is um, like a Campari spritzer, dark berry, and spice uh, with a slightly bitter finish. Another newcomer in the alcohol alternative category is Brook 37, which offers rare premium teas in high-end packaging that can be gifted like a bottle of wine or enjoyed with a ritual similar to a cocktail, but without the alcohol. Company founder and CEO Modas Gupta explained that Brook 37 is on a mission to delight the palate by curating rare and exclusive teas, which she affectionately referred to as the sober sibling of wine, due to their complex flavor profiles and provenance stories. We are bringing the highest quality teas to American consumers that are not coming to America today. And um, we have relationships with the gardens directly uh, from Darjeeling in India, which is also known as the champagne of the teas. And we are getting the rarest teas from the region of champagne of the teas. So it's something that doesn't go, these teas, they don't go into distributors um, or any kind of auctioning. And they are sold before the tea leaves are even picked up. And we have access to that through the relationships that we have built with the gardens. And we are getting these teas. And uh, my goal is, um, I, I have just read some articles that says that women are getting get women health get more impacted from alcohol drinking than men and also post covid or during covid women picked up more alcohol drinking for relaxation for you know for luxury feeling luxurious etc and uh, i come from a tea drinking family growing up in india but i picked up alcohol for due to social pressure for fitting in etc and when my body started not doing that well with alcohol, I felt that this is what I want to promote. And I want to introduce tea and tell people the story how tea leaves can be very similar to wine, fine wine producing grapes. Because uh, tea leaves have the same provenance story. It has the flavor profile as well as the body and uh, complexity, just like a fine bottle of wine. So depending on the weather pattern, the elevation of the mountain, 
the day the tea was picked up and the day and the way it was rolled and and you know oxidized this the smell and the flavor can be completely different and it's extremely hard to replicate a fine tea um from one production to another production because there's so many nuances and hence um they are like a glass of fine wine with minus the alcohol so this on the the coral one is our um, classic collection and this is for day to day in a hurry having tea and these are we have black tea we have green tea we have lavender earl grey tea yeah. we have a chai tea in here so those are different but we are also showcasing different black tea so that people understand how even black teas can taste totally different uh depending on the provenance and the and the altitude and where you are getting it and then this is our wellness collection we have four teas in it so there are teas that are helping uh, with sleep um there are teas that are helping with sharpness of mind and memory um some are for inflammation reduction some are for liver um you know health of liver which is going to help your skin etc there is a detox tea um so we have various different like immunity booster tea so this is our wellness collection and then this is our limited collection these are our most premium tea that's why these are loose leaf most of them and then we have two in tea bags one is the um uh, pink rose strawberry tea these are these are very expensive ingredients in it and we have a minty watermelon tea also these are our gift boxes and they come with four different varieties of teas and uh, silver plated accessories again to elevate the overall experience these uh, accessories are handmade to uh, completely from start to finish by artisans in india who have been doing this for generations in village and this business actually is providing them the price and the means to do well in their life because they don't get this kind of the kind of money we are paying them um these boxes have done extremely well in the gifting area so we have done corporate gifting uh a mother's day birthdays but corporate gifting has been a big focus um we have also done chocolate and tea pairing gift boxes during the holidays this year Other beverages that SFA research shows are growing include water and sparkling water, which has the most purchased food and beverage in store with 54% of consumers adding them to their carts compared to only 42% in 2020. Likewise, the second most frequently purchased food and beverage in store in 2023 was milk and plant-based milk, which 52% of consumers purchased compared to only 41% in 2020. Soda, the classic category that everyone loves to hate and which is undergoing a better for you renaissance, also is growing strong. Between 2020 and 2022, SFA says the percentage of consumers who purchased soda and carbonated beverages in store climbed 10 percentage points to 45%, taking 8th place in the list of items most often purchased in store. Juice and non-ready to drink coffee and hot cocoa also made the top 10 list. taking the 4th and 10th places respectively. With that, we have reached the end of another episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast. I hope that you'll join me again for another installment. 
And to help you remember, I encourage you to subscribe. Until next time, this is Elizabeth Crawford wishing you a productive, profitable, and safe week.